What is going on, you guys? My name is Josh. I'm here with my best friends, Drew and Joey, and you're listening slash watching the Triple Thrift podcast. We're starting to do these like video segments on our YouTube channel. So if you are listening to the podcast on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever, be sure to head over to the YouTube channel if you want to get the full video experience to see uh, our, our current sweaters. I've got a Christmas sweater on. Drew's got a really cool Mickey Mouse sweater on. Joey's got the goofy shirt down below. Uh, so if you guys want to see what we're talking about, definitely head over to our YouTube channel at uh, just search Triple Thrift Podcast. Um, on this podcast, we talk about all things YouTube and reselling related. And honestly, we never really know where we're going to end up when we start these things. So, uh, Joey, it's true. It's true. It's yeah. It, it's just uh, it's unscripted, unscripted, unadulterated. Is that a good word to say? I don't know what that means. I've just heard unadulterated that. is the definition of. B, I don't even know. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I think I when I said it, I was thinking of something that's like organic and authentic and unedited and just flow, but I could be completely wrong. I don't know. But Joey, well, like a candid, a candid now? video. How about that? Yeah, candid. There you go. <laughs> What's up, guys? Um, I've had some awesome sales. I've been listing like crazy. I'm almost I almost hit 400 listings, but I sold 16 things during a Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I sold a vacuum, Electrolux. Shout out to Drew and shout out to Tim. Uh, we uh, we picked that up. Me and Drew picked that up a while ago. Um, I listed it very, very high and it sold full price. So I'm super proud of myself for that. Uh, it sold for $239.99 plus uh, $30 in shipping. So that was awesome. Right out the door, it was like $32 exactly. It's going to Michigan, I think. Um, so awesome sale. And is it, um, is it sold, a whole vacuum or just like a part of it? It's the whole vac, oh, the, a whole, <laughs> the whole vacuum, okay. uh, like the tube and everything with the end part and the, zzz, I don't know, like the, the brush head, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, but yeah, I, uh, sold that and I sold two golf bags, one King Cobra. Uh, it's like all leather and it had like some gold into it and I made my own box. So Last night after the listing live with my boy Drew over at uh, my YouTube channel, um, we, I after the live, I went straight out there and I found three boxes because I needed uh, two. I, I just needed big boxes. And I didn't have any left. So I Where'd ran you go? out there just Where'd out to my neighborhood. And every. You just, wait, night, wait, 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 wait. You just no said, way you found you just two said, boxes for you just golf said, bags. You just said, yes. I went out there and got them. What do you mean? You just walked out your front door and there were boxes in your driveway? <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus brought them to me. That's rare, dude. Like, because we sell golf bags. I use 48 by 12 by 12 boxes. And like, you don't find those. People are like, won't well, you just go to behind a Publix and you can find any box in the whole world? You can't. You can't yeah. find 48 by 12 by 12 sitting behind a grocery store. Dude, I don't know how I did it. I have a really big neighborhood. So there's like 500. Um, houses in my in my neighborhood and I drove down every street it took me two hours I didn't go to bed until like two in the morning um I, oh. I had to find them because I it said December 1st you got to ship them out and that's tomorrow so I was like man I gotta find some boxes but I had to reshape this big like fold it said folding table <laughs> on the box I had to reshape this thing it took me like an hour today to do um but I got that done um I had two golf bags and I I had one box where it was long enough, but I had to just push it all the way down and then cut off the top and then flap down some sides yeah. uh, for that one. And then the vacuum, that was easy. It was just a bigger box, but. Had a flat um, right yeah. envelope. 
<laughs> padded flat rate. Box and bag. Box, <laughs> box and bag. bag. I, I spent three dollars. Awesome, on them. So, so yeah. Drew, how's uh, how's your sales been going? They're they're pretty good. I'm uh, I've been pushing my second store. So for those of you guys who don't know, I created a second store a couple of months ago when I did a bulk buyout, and the intent was for two purposes. The first one was to see. This was back when I was complaining on the podcast a lot about my slow sales. So I created another store to see if there were things on eBay that were like holding back my sales, you know, like uh, on the back end. I called and they said there was nothing, but I didn't believe it because uh, I had gotten a Vero from Allbirds back in June. And ever since then, from like June to August, I was suffering quite a bit. So I did this bulk buyout and I created another store so I could also keep track of how much money I made from just that buyout. And after I hit about $3,000 in sales on that store, I started adding new listings to it just from like my regular thrifting. So I would kind of do five listings on my old store, five listings on the new store and just keep doing it back and forth. And uh, so the second store is doing pretty good. Um, and I'm at about 7,200 90 day total on that one right now. And uh, so I'm really pushing a lot of those sales because right now I have an issue on my main store where my final value fees for electronics are 5% higher because I've had too many returns on electronics. I don't know if I talked about that last week or not. Yeah. Um, so I'm moving all of my electronics that I source onto the new stores to avoid those final value fees. But uh, other than that, sales are good. Um, I'm selling across multiple platforms right now. Actually, Mercari is the slowest for me. I'm selling doing pretty good on Depop right now. Depop is for how many items I have listed and what I put on there. Depop is popping. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about Depop. It's, it's a complete like chocolate vanilla, you know, opposites type of deal. I either get people message me with lowball offers and then I counter offer them and they ghost me or I get full price sales with no messages, no communication from the buyer, no nothing. Yeah. And like today I sold the North Face jacket for $115. Yesterday I sold a pair of Harley boots on Depop for $125 full price sale. No questions asked. And then someone messages me like two days ago for a sweater. They offer me $20 and I say, Hey, meet me in the middle at 30. Ghost it. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost it. Part of the, part of the biz. I, so, so last, last week, um, in between these two podcasts, in between the last podcast and this podcast, uh, the three of us got together and we were talking about some plans for the podcast and like ways we wanted to structure it going forward. And a couple people have said that, that, that we complain too much sometimes. So what the, the way we decided to combat this and by, by we, they mean me, by we, <laughs> we do mean true. We, we, we all complain, but to, to kind of limit it and keep the podcast overall, a very positive vibe, because you guys probably appreciate a positive vibe. We're going to give each other 90 seconds of negativity per podcast. So I'm going to give Drew 30 seconds already. That was kind of negative. So Drew's only got 60 more seconds to be negative. Joey and I have a full 90 seconds remaining. This is going to be pretty exciting. Um, I don't. Joey and I are really positive all the time. And Drew's positive too. But I think it'll be pretty difficult to have something uh, for Joey to complain about. And I'm already like panicking, trying to think of something I can complain about. I no, panicked. I'm not. I, I know what I can. I'll go ahead and I'll do mine. So I made my video today about the uh the hold box. on hold on hold on i feel like i feel like since this is the first time we gotta like like say intro something. this as like 
and 90 now, seconds of fame go 90 seconds of negativity and go. let me start the clock because i'm gonna I, cut I, you I, um the second that it hits 90 seconds josh i'm cutting you off you better believe it, it. absolutely hold me to ready, it ready set ready go okay so my youtube video today if you guys <laughs> don't follow me on youtube for some reason my youtube channel is called harry tornado and i was talking about the changes to the dimensions of the priority 1095 boxes these boxes have been a standard size since i've been reselling like three years or so uh, but in the past, USPS has changed some box sizes. And it was frustrating to me because I I was usually putting the 1095 and 1092 boxes together to ship tennis rackets, Guitar Hero controllers, and backpacks. And now they made the 1095 and 1092 boxes exactly the same width. So they don't slide together anymore. Like people are like, oh, you can cut the seams on the inside and fold it in. And then it'll like, yeah, you you can, like you can do it but there's nothing as easy as the old box so i made a video today talking about that and when i would oh it's part of youtube for you when i made the video i was like this is good this is gonna be gold this is gonna have so many comments because people love sharing their opinions and telling me i'm wrong or agreeing with me blah 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 and i knew that was gonna happen but then i started getting comments and it was just like hundreds of comments saying yeah it was just they're just losing money they're just they're just looking out for the business aspect. Like, it's fine. What are you talking about? This is just a like everybody just it seemed like I was just an idiot for bringing it up, even though I knew this was going to happen. I mean, it still had comments like supporting me, um, but it's a pretty minor inconvenience, I guess. But I didn't understand the reason for the change. I was like, does this is it really cost saving? Like is really I got six, is, is it really saving that much money? <laughs> like, I've got four seconds left. Is is changing the dimensions of that box by a quarter of an inch really saving any money? I don't know. <laughs> I'm done. Dang man, that's crazy. I I I didn't know. I didn't know they did that. So how how long ago is, did they change that? Did you get the so boxes September. yet? Like you know, the boxes have the dates on them from their right. manufactured. Right. The ones that started in September of 2021 are a quarter of an inch smaller now. That's crazy. I it's it's funny that you talked about that because I ordered 1095 boxes to because I use them for mainly for either Guitar Hero guitars or for boots when I sell boots. Yeah, boots you can't fit Jordan. it in a in a shoe box, but when you score and reshape it, it's perfect. Yeah, I ordered 1095 boxes three times on the USPS website, and every single time they send me either 1092s or regional rate A boxes. <laughs> and I told my mail lady, and she's like, "I'll I'll look into it," and then nothing ever happened. So. She definitely did not look into it. <laughs> That's the last thing on her mind. Well, you see, look, when you're at the post office and you're a mailman, right? And you're delivering mail. All so day, what do you know about being a mailman? I don't know, but it, it sucks. <laughs> so don't ever be a mailman. Be don't know. Reseller. Joey, Joey used to be a mailman before he quit to become a full-time reseller. So he actually Yo! does He Yo, actually does know what he's talking about. <laughs> so when I used to be a mailman, I... Like people would ask me questions like, hey, can you bring a change of address tomorrow? Or, hey, can you bring a padded flat rate for me? And, you know, you say, yeah, 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 I'll get it for you. But like you have like 300 more houses to go to. You're reading names, sending out, you know, packages to the front door, putting stuff in the mail. And you go home and you're like, man, it's such a great day. I'm going home. Like I'm not sweating no more. I got to go take a shower. Like it's the last thing on your mind. Dude, I know. And then you go back it's to like work. A, it's like being a waiter at a at a fast paced restaurant. Like yeah. you're like, oh, can I get some more cheese? Yeah, yeah, I'll be right with you. You're not gonna remember the cheese. You got 30 other tables to wait on. Dude, that happened to me today. I was at lunch today with my buddy Ian, and I was like, yo, can I get another another water with lemon? Didn't even bring it out. <laughs> like I was dying in thirst. I'm like, like gasping for air. I just need some water with lemon. Water! <laughs> like water! <the> SpongeBob. <laughs> I need water. <laughs> I don't um, need it. 
I couldn't I even I couldn't even imagine trying to be a mailman or a delivery person at all and say like, hey, can you bring me this paper slip? And then you like you said, you have like 300 houses to go like left. I, but then listen, I can't even I can't even remember sometimes when my wife asks me to grab her something inside the house. She's like, <laughs> hey, she's like, hey, I'm changing the baby's diaper. Can you go grab me a diaper? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll be right back. And then I never go get it. <laughs> not because I'm intentionally forgetting. It's just like I walk into the kitchen and I'm like, what did I come in here for? And then I'm like, oh, I got to go pull my sails. And I walk into the shed. She'll be like, where'd you go? I need a diaper. <laughs> No, typical, but typical man going, going back to the the thing like with with bringing like a box or something or a change of address form or a hold card um i would get back on the route literally start driving out of the post office and be like no i forgot like and then there's no turning back you got to keep going like there's yeah. not enough time to go back so then and you're like man like i forgot and then i try to write it down so uh shout out you, to your you mail. would have a lot more time uh, to do those favors, if you just dumped all your packages in a ravine, and then just... wow, <laughs> oh, like that have you guys seen that article? Like that FedEx I, guy? Yeah. What I don't get is why why he thought he could get away with that. Like they're gonna scan the packages, and if you guys don't know, there was an article going around where somewhere in like Alabama or something that Tennessee, there was like four hundred FedEx packages found in the woods in like some ditch, and it. Obviously, they just scan the packages and they're like, oh, this was supposed to be on Joey's truck. Yeah. Like all 400 of these packages are supposed to be delivered by Joey. Like, yeah. And then I, I love that I got an, there was an update to the article that was said FedEx driver questioned about dumped packages. I'm like, yeah, I sure hope he was. <laughs> like, that is the bare minimum. That's the best title you could come up for an article. But apparently he was That's fired it. and he's charged with like six. He dumped them on six different occasions. Um, wow. So now he starts with six counts of like theft. He's probably going to prison. You know, what's crazy about that is with, with, with I'll say about the post office is whenever you scan something, it's, it shows in a GPS exactly where you scan that package. Um, so I don't know how FedEx works, but if he scanned them all right there, you know, they could have caught him really quick with all those packages and where they, yeah. where they've been and where they've been scanned. So that guy probably got ripped <laughs> into shreds. I just, it's just, it seems so dumb. Like yeah. I remember a couple, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, there was like a storage unit found with like US, yeah. USPS oh, letters. I think it was just like letters, some packages, but a lot of letters. You yeah. know what the thing is being in the post office, it's very stressful. It's not as easy. I make it sound easy because I work very hard, but some people, when they first start, they get very uh, stressed out because there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, imagine not knowing where where to deliver or you know you have you don't have enough time because you have to bring the mail back like the outgoing mail to put it on the next truck so that truck can bring it to the airplane and the airplane flies out um so it's it's a hard thing to do when you start and especially at times like this during christmas you know i couldn't even imagine you know delivering now in these type of days where you know with covid and you know all that stuff with a bunch of bunch of packages letters you know christmas time it it's it's really hard so yeah. even zach utah bought and gone he had a his story um someone picked up his packages today and it was just a random person in a car and no usps clothes nothing they just picked them up brought it to the car and what i told him was during these times they hire like christmas like workers or whatever and they'll come in their personal cars and do pickups like they'll literally go to someone's house pick them up and bring them in their personal car yeah. so 
You would think um, so, they would give them at least a shirt or something, or like a vest. Right, right. Like something, something in, that says USPS. Because if someone picked up packages with no indication that they work at the post office, I'd be scared too. Like, yeah. I got, I had 16 packages going out today. Like, I, 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 I need to know if it's going to get, you know, picked up from the right person, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of scary <laughs> for someone, you know, especially these times during Christmas. So. Well, it's but, not just it's not just even these these times because of the holiday, like because of the season. It's just literally the times we're living in is so right. scary. Like, I mean, there was an article that came out about some guy that was like running from the police recently in like Wisconsin. And he ran through a a, a Christmas parade or something in, in some yeah. city and killed five people and injured like 42 people. I mean, it's almost like not that you live in fear, but. It's just crazy that you can't you sometimes you can't even feel safe like going out in public places or just not knowing yeah, that there's Christmas parade. Yeah. Like that's supposed to be a happy place that you can take your family yeah. and just enjoy. And then you see all these videos like I feel like the the guy who created the Ring app, you know, the Ring uh product. I mean, he's a genius of course, but he went on Shark Tank and everybody said he was crazy and and everybody backed out from it. Uh, or, or, you know, said I'm out or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and that man sold his entire business to Amazon for like a billion dollars or something. Yeah. And that, that is probably the most, at least what I can think of in the last, like what, five years, one of the most used tech tech products in the industry, like in the world, almost everybody has a ring now or some sort of ring product you know, on their door with doorbells and, and, and being able to see out your front door when you're not there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's revolutionary. Uh, and even still you see people on TikTok and Instagram reels catching these door thieves with their car and you can see the license plate on their car. Yeah. They drive away. Yeah. People don't care, man. Like I, I said something one time when I, when we were doing package pickup, like putting our packages on our porch, People on on YouTube would always say like, "Oh man, that would in my where I'm from, those packages would be stolen in a minute." I'm like, I mean, we live in a pretty nice area, South Carolina. You know, it's we like it's a nice neighborhood. The, the worst thing has ever happened in this neighborhood was like somebody spray painted one of the stop signs. <laughs> like that's the, that's the worst thing that's ever happened. So we're just not concerned about that. Um, and they're like, "Oh," and I said, "My my neighbor has cameras. He has cameras like pointed at our house. So we kind of instead of buying our own, we just use his." And um, People were like, oh, dude, people don't care about cameras, man. They'll just steal everything. And I really saw a good example of that in the, um, there was some, I think it was like Mark Rober, maybe he did like the, the booby trap packages where he like, yeah, spray like fart spray, glitter <laughs> everywhere and stuff like that. And I think he had a camera like visible in the porch and that didn't even stop people. Like they were still stealing it. Because, yeah. like, you got to think, wait, what's a cop going to do? Like, hey, here's just what this person looks like that stole my package. Honestly, cops probably have way more to deal with. They'll be like, okay, we'll investigate this. Take a police report. They're not going to investigate. They're not going to run software to compare this image of a person to their database of people to see who it was. You know, they might post something online. Like, you probably have a better chance of finding the culprit just by posting something on a local Facebook group yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so cameras... I don't, I don't know, but it is a good investment that there's a shark tank did a thing where they like the, sh the sharks reacted to deals that they passed on in, in the past. Uh, and they reacted to the, I think it was called Doorbot when it was on shark tank. And uh, Mark Cuban was talking about how 
at the time it was, it was, it was a very, there just wasn't a lot of marketing behind it. He said they spent like $60 million just on marketing to build up, you know, the, the brand awareness of this thing before it became like the type of brand. He was like, they took a really good product and just marketed the crap out of it um, to make it, you know, a household name like it is today. And that's where the $1 billion valuation came in. I think the moral of the story with everything that we're saying is if you are a reseller and you put your packages outside, you basically have three options. Option number one, take them to the post office yourself. Option number two, schedule a pickup and be home when that mailman or carrier picks it up. Or option number three, your packages get stolen. <laughs> and easy. yeah, you just, you don't want that happening. You know, you don't want your packages to get stolen. So just be smart as a reseller, you know, right now, especially during the season, it may take an extra 10 or 15 minutes or however long it takes for you to go and uh, drop off your packages yourself. If you live in an area that concerns you, or, you know, you're, you're just not the type of person that just leaves your packages outside for the mail person. Uh, but it's worth it for your business to not have returns or packages that, you know, people don't get picked up uh, or say they never received because 99.9% of the time, you as a seller will always lose. The buyer will get their money back. If you say, because there's no proof other than that you printed the shipping label and that it was scanned in um, or that it wasn't scanned in even. Sometimes it doesn't even get scanned in. It just gets thrown in the back of a mail truck and then it never gets scanned in. And yeah. so uh, it's very important that you just take that responsibility as the owner of your own reselling business and do what is best for your business and make sure that that stuff is being taken care of uh, to protect you and your customers. There you go. Joey, do you have 90 seconds of negativity to share? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. I got to still think about it. I don't have, I never, I don't have negativity, <laughs> but I'll try to think of something. Okay. Well, we can talk about something that's really positive. Tim Osborne, the thrift sold something for $4,200 today. I know. So that's absolutely crazy. If you guys need inspiration for reselling, I mean, you really don't need to go anywhere else than Tim's Instagram or, or YouTube channel because the stuff that he finds is literally unreal. And uh, I think it's it, funny that like all of his best sales, I'm like, what the heck is that thing? And I'm yeah. sure Tim doesn't even know. Like <laughs> he has no idea what that thing is. He just knows it was like he just looked it up, saw that it was valuable, turned it on, maybe tested it somehow and then sold it. And I think that's what a lot of people hold that's what's holding up a lot of people. Like they don't want to sell things that they aren't comfortable with, which is good to a certain degree. If you're a new reseller, I don't think you should get into flipping things like you have no idea about, you know, like right. NFTs or sports cards, or, you know, I've just bought a whole big tub full of Pokemon cards. Like that could be good or it could be a total waste of time, you know, depending on what you pay. Um, yeah. Especially if you don't know anything about them. Um, but it seems like Tim just looks stuff up, just finds it. <laughs> types in some model numbers and buys it and it seems to be working really well he bought yeah. it for sixteen hundred dollars and he sold it for forty two hundred that's just that's insane i haven't man. i don't i don't think that this year i've seen any reseller post something that they sold for more money than what tim sold that for and thrift to travel she was pretty close with that ray dunn ray dunn mug, mean, yeah considering she only paid 50 cents for hers i think that obviously the profit margin is is better because yeah. it sold for what like thirty eight hundred dollars or something crazy i don't 3, remember something like that close to four thousand for yeah. a mug 
yeah for for a poor a, cre- a pourer or something like that so like a cream pourer. but i mean tim's sale as far as a one gross sale still tops it and i i mean i know that i've seen like even in our live listing that we do joey and i uh monday nights at nine o'clock uh <laughs> we have this one guy in there his name is christopher um i want to say he's somewhere between like 40 to 60 he's you know like a, a an adult male i guess 50 year old guy yeah based on his uh based on his profile picture that's my my judgment guess um but he has like a he shared with us one time he's got like a 55 or 60k 90 day total but every monday night he comes into that live and he's so friendly and so supportive and we're always like chris what'd you sell this week <laughs> and then he ran he says some random thing and joey and i are always mind blown and this week he said something along the lines of he sold something for $2,600. Yeah. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said the like this whole weekend he made $6,900. Like, that's crazy, dude. Like, how do you even do that? <laughs> I don't know. And he's like still – he's it's... like – he told me he still has stuff he has to list, like that are just huge profits. Like, yeah. I just don't get it. I, th- I think it just comes down to like your average selling price, like – like you could flip cars. Like imagine if you bought a car for five grand and sold it for six grand. That would be a thousand. That's that's a pretty crappy car flip. Like nobody's gonna like. Very few people are gonna waste their time with that. But that's still a thousand dollars. The only yep. time I've ever made a thousand dollars on eBay flip is when I bought all the hairspray. Found like 150 cans for 92 cents a piece. Sold them all in six months. Made like 1,100 bucks in profit. But like, imagine buying a house. Like you buy a house for 150 and do nothing to it and sell it for 160. That's a pretty crappy house flip, but you still made $10,000. Like I just so like the well, bigger item that you sell, you can take smaller margins and still make a lot of money. So it's hard to make 6900 bucks in a weekend if your average selling price is $15, which I think the average selling price on eBay is $15 like across the entire eBay platform. So it's like it's you got to have realistic crazy. expectations. Like our average selling price is like 30 bucks, I think, like 28, 30 bucks something like that. So we're gonna have we're not gonna have a seven thousand dollar weekend like that's not gonna happen. I'm gonna have a yeah. two or three thousand dollar weekend, but I'm not gonna expect seven thousand. Yeah. Hold on, I'm getting I'm gonna do my average sell prices because now I want to know you. Were, what were you gonna say, Joey? About was it about selling your house? Yeah, selling my house. I, I made a pretty big chunk of mine. I'm I'm excited yeah, about that. So anybody so, that sells their I'm, house these days are is making money unless yeah. they did something horribly horribly wrong. Yeah. So on my second store, which is the smaller one, uh, my average sale price is $62 and 51 cents. And I'm going to log out and go into the other one and see, I'm pretty sure it's very similar. Um, I mean on Depop, my average sale price is like a hundred bucks. It's, it's crazy. What I, the, the stuff that I sell on there, it's, 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 (laughs) you know, reselling is funny because I always find that, especially when I'm posting on Instagram and sharing about different things that sell or what platform they're selling on or anything like that, I always get a couple of people that have have to message me and say, I hate Poshmark. They're the lo- I get the worst low ballers on Poshmark. And I'm like, I get more full price sales on Poshmark than I do on eBay. I get more low balls on eBay. And then someone will message me and be like, I've listed 50 things on Depop and I haven't made a single sale. I don't know how you do it. You know, and there's always you know, someone on some platform that's unhappy and it just comes down to everything comes down to consistency. You got to list, you got to share, you got to refresh, you got to lower prices, you got to, you know, run sales, whatever it takes, you know, but you also have to know, which we've talked about multiple times 
so not to sound like a broken record, but the sell-through rate is so important. Yeah. And that's uh, the but, most important thing. Like, gen- like I get asked every day to look at people's eBay stores and I listed 200 things on eBay and I haven't sold anything. What's wrong? 99 times out of a hundred. It's because the items that you're selling do not have a good sell-through rate. So it may be bad pictures. It may be bad titles. It may be your prices are wrong, but if the item itself just sucks, if the market is not there for the item, it doesn't matter how, what your price is. It doesn't matter how good your photos are. It doesn't matter what your title is. People aren't going to buy it. Yeah. And that, that's the problem. Like people just, it, reselling is exciting. Like the first time you figure out you can go to a thrift store and buy something for a dollar or two and sell it for 10, like that's, that's exciting. And that, you're like, oh man, I just, you know, 5X my money. And that's cool. But you also have to make sure that like, is that item actually selling? Is it, did you just, yeah. did you look at comps? Did you see one sold? Are there 400 listed? Like I see that with coffee mugs a lot, which is why I pass on coffee mugs. Cause I'll see, I found a Mickey mouse one the other day that looked like it was going to sell for like 25 bucks. Oh boy. <laughs> That's what I said when I found it. But then there's like three sold and like 60 listed. I'm like, okay, even, even with us, with our YouTube following, like it wouldn't be worth it, you know? Um, so, yeah. we, so we pass on that, but just make sure you're looking at everything, like the whole data, like all that, all of it is available. Everything's available on YouTube. Look at the sell through rate. Look how many are listed. Look how many are sold. Look at what your competition is. Like <laughs> somebody reached out the other day and said that they are, they've been trying to sell a certain item on eBay for months and they're looking and other people are selling the item that they have for more money than they are currently listed for. And they didn't understand why their item hadn't sold yet. And I was like, I don't know the answer. But it's pretty easy to find out. Go look at the stuff that's selling and look at look at that. Look at their title. Look at their picture. Look at their prices. Look at their description. Make sure it's exact the exact same item. Maybe it's a different model. Um, look at their. Why story. did I feel yeah. like that could be like a rap song or something? Look at the title. Look at the listing. Look at the. <laughs> yeah, it really. I don't is. know. When you said that, I was like imagining you spitting bars. I was. I was. Spit, I, it was. I wasn't quite I'm on the bars. I just get passionate about this stuff. Like eBay is. eBay is. Because of all the item specifics and all the data that eBay packs in there, it's there's every answer to your question about why something isn't selling or why this isn't working. It's on eBay. You just have to know how to find it. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Like I was in the thrift store with Drew like a couple weeks ago, and I'm sitting there looking up comps, and, and Drew is <laughs> like, Joey's, "Joey's never gonna let me live this down." This is his 90 seconds of negativity right here. <laughs> here we go. Starting off. Here we go. So I'm in the thrift store. Okay. And I have a couple items and Drew drew threw me a couple items and I'm like, all right, well, I got to look these up. And he's like staring at me, like looking at me like, okay, like, you know, whatever how Drew is. And I'm looking <laughs> these items up where, you know, we, we look through the whole entire store and I'm looking up one item, another item, another item, because I'm looking for that sell through rate. I'm not going to buy something for four, five dollars. And it's just going to sit in my store for you know, it only is going to sell for 20 bucks. Like I, I'd rather buy it where I know the sell through rate is good. So I'm looking up items, looking up comps and Drew comes by and he's like, dude, I'm never thrifting with you ever again. I'm like, why dude? Like, what did I do? He's like, you're taking too much time in the thrift store. We could have been into like three other ones. I'm like, <laughs> dude, relax. Like I'm just looking up comps. I don't want to like bring this home and it doesn't sell, you know, like I, yeah. I don't want to sit on stuff. I want to sell stuff, baby. Let's go. I, I need to I need to defend myself in this case, so I'll take this next sixty seconds as my rest of my negativity. <laughs> Let me start the timer. <laughs> I'm going to be talking real fast, so y'all better listen if you're watching this or listening to this podcast. Number one, it was a Monday. It was a Monday night, and Joey and I were going live together, and he he had to find stuff to list because he didn't have pictures. So I was trying to get him to thrift stores 
so that he could find stuff to list. So I was bringing him brands like Vineyard Vines, Columbia, stuff that is like, okay, you can definitely flip this stuff. And for me personally, if I see a Vineyard Vines piece or I see a Columbia piece that's like a, you know, uh, Tech Tonight or uh, Columbia PFG, something like that, I'm like, okay, I know this is going to sell. You know, you got nice colors or whatever. <laughs> and so that's the first thing. The second thing is that um, some of these brands, you should already know if they're going to sell or not. You don't have to look up, you know, certain brands anymore. You should just know. And so for me, I was like, Joey, I know that Vineyard Vines is going to sell. So you don't need to look it up. I'm telling you, it's going to sell. And, he, and so <laughs> I was being sarcastic with him. I'm like, dude, I'm never thrifting with you ever again. No, but it was worse than that. It was like, <laughs> I'm never thrifting with you ever again. All right. You can add four seconds. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's pretty much it. It was just... It's just funny because we'll I was save, trying to we'll save these to, other 11 seconds for later on in the <laughs> podcast. I was trying to get to other thrift stores so we could find stuff to list for the live. And yeah. Joey was looking up stuff. I'm like, dude, that's a $20 bill all day. Just throw it in the cart. And he's like, no, Drew, I got to look it up. But I will say I do commend him for be, doing his due diligence and actually looking stuff up like it does. It does take a lot of time. And if you don't know or you don't have experience selling certain brands, this may not necessarily be Joey's case. He's just looking them up to look them up. But if you don't have experience selling certain brands, there are certain brands that, you know, or colorways or sizes that don't sell as good as others. Like you can't just go buy a Nike dry fit golf polo and expect to sell for $25. But if you find one that's a nice color or has a graphic on it or says like a, has a golf course name on it, like deer run or something, they'll usually sell for a little more because it's a, a more of a niche market for a specific buyer. So I do give Joey the benefit, the benefit of the doubt, um, you know, that he was looking stuff up versus just throwing stuff in his cart. And I'm like, bro, you're buying trash right now. He was actually like trying to find stuff that was going to sell fast for him um, because we were on a limited time frame and he had to find stuff to list on the live. So he didn't just want to find stuff that was like, all right, guys, I'm listing these uh, bag of cough drops I found at Goodwill, you know, used pre-owned condition. He was he was doing the right thing. Um, yeah. And let me just say this real quick before I forget. My average sale price on my main store is $66.49. So between the two of them, I'm like a $64 average sale price, which for me, and that's not including Poshmark or, or Depop, that's pretty good. So I'm, I'm happy with yeah. those numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really uh, what it comes down to is if you know the brands, then you know that's how you, that's how you grow as a reseller is when you start learning brands and you've sold it enough that like I could pick up a pair of Ariat jeans. Anytime I find Ariat Harley Davidson jeans in the men's brand or anything fire resistant like um, Tyndale or Carhartt flame resistant, I don't even have to look them up because I know it's a $40 bill or higher. You know, as long as the price is right, five, six, seven bucks, that's $40 or more easy flame for flame resistant jeans for me, you know? Yeah. And then the brand, you know, I know that those are sell-through rate because I've spent so much time looking them up that now I don't have to look them up. And that's how you get better and you can go to more thrift stores in one day. There you go. And I will say, like, uh, I was in uh, the Nurse Flippers live show the other day. And um, one of the, Julian, is that her co-host? Julian? Yes. Bearded yeah, Bearded Thrift Machine. Whatever it is. Um, he was saying that, like, we were talking about like Volo's stuff that sells fast for us. And he was saying that um, Georgia boots, like hunting boots were selling well. I was like, man, I've got a pair of like brand new, like literally 9.9 out of 10 condition Georgia boots camouflage. I found it at Goodwill like 
six months ago. They've been listed forever for like, I, don't, I think I had them listed for $70 plus shipping and they didn't sell. And I'd send offers as low as like 50 plus shipping and they still didn't sell. And he's like, just, you know, just go back and look at it. And I went and looked at it this week or like last week, maybe like right before Thanksgiving. And for some reason I'd put like priority shipping at like a four pound rate. So like the estimated shipping even to me was like $35 or something. I was like, oh, that's that's probably that's probably why they haven't sold because I'm listed for $79 plus like probably $70 in shipping going to California or something. Right. So I changed them to free shipping and then change it to UPS grounds. So they're probably gonna cost like 15, 20 bucks to ship tops. Um, and when I do free shipping on large items, I exclude shipping to Alaska, Hawaii, US proctorates, you know, Guam, Puerto Rico, things like that. So worst case scenario it goes to California, costs about $18 or so. Um, and once I did that, they sold the next day, full asking price. Yeah. So if you have oh, stuff like crazy. that that you've sourced in the past, you're like, this was a good item. Like I looked this up, the sell-through rate was there. Like my pictures are good, my price is good. Just double check shipping, double check, you know, the market. Sometimes the market changes on items, doubling the time of the year. Uh, maybe those boots didn't sell six months ago because it was summer and they were like insulated camouflage hunting boots, you know, uh, yeah. so things can come into play. But just go, if you got items sitting around that you aren't sure why they're sitting around, there's probably some something wrong with it like that. Yeah, like I usually just do the flat rate shipping like I, I know shoes. Well, right now, because the prices are a little bit higher, like like I've had a couple shoes the last couple of days. They're like 16 bucks, 15 bucks. And I'm like, dude, if I could just send these UPS, they're only nine bucks to ship out. Um, yep. So I took them out of the uh, USPS package and put it into a regular brown box and shipped them for nine bucks. So, you know, that that saved me seven dollars with three pairs of shoes that were all going to California. That's yep. twenty one dollars that I saved, you know, dude. Um, UPS ground is really good. Like, especially now that USPS is increasing their prices again, like I'm sure USPS will increase eventually, but especially if you can get the pirate ship discounts for UPS ground, they're like, yeah, any, I'm finding right that now. anything over like three pounds, always cheaper with UPS ground. Yep. Yeah. Well, and Facebook marketplace and Mercari too, their, uh, their rates, you Mercari has this UPS sure post now, which is basically UPS ground. It's really no different. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, uh, the prices are just insanely cheap. Like you could put three, three to five pounds, I think on Mercari and it's $7 and 94 cents, I think at least from where I live. But yeah. Um, yeah, those are all just things that like you have to kind of adapt in your business as you're, as you're, you're growing. Like I know when I first started, I, you know, had no returns and uh, full calculated shipping on everything. And then you know, started changing some of that stuff. And then certain things would sell a lot faster. Like my rock band sets. One of the reasons I have basically like a 100% sell through rate on all my rock band stuff. When I get it, I sell it within a week guaranteed is because, uh, I usually do flat rate shipping because I know how much it's going to cost me and everybody else out there, you know, puts 25, 30 pounds for a rock band set. And in reality, it's only about 16 to 18 pounds, depending on which bundle you have. Yeah. I can box up a rock band bundle for 16 pounds in a box. I mean, I made a YouTube video on it, but I usually know it's about 16 pounds. And even to California at the most, it costs me like $22. Yeah. So I usually do a flat rate of $19.99 or $24.99. And they always sell because it's the cheapest shipping option unless someone does free shipping. But I don't have any problem because mine always sell. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's great. I, I love that. And uh, there's just... Um, no time like the present to be reselling, man. It's 
you know, it, it's the best side hustle of 2022. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't believe how many people commented on that video and said, it's still 2021. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm making the video because people are going to be searching it in a month and they're not going to be searching for the best side hustle of 2021. They're going to want to know what the new thing is, even right. though the reselling isn't new. It's the most ancient form of entrepreneurship and side hustles there are. Yep. You should you should go back and edit that video and put a disclaimer like warning what I'm about to share is the most ancient form of making money <laughs> and then just go straight into the video. You know a lot of YouTubers like if they have videos that are like um kind of evergreen but like you know the, the, whereas the information is still pertinent but the video is old so it's like um you know complete guide to eBay 2020. Nobody's going to watch that now because it says 2020, even though the information is probably still mostly accurate. A lot of people go back and just change the title of the video to say eBay basics 2022. And people are like, oh, this is a new video. Let me go see what the new information is. And it's the same video. You just you can change the title every year. Right. Like yeah. There's no limit to how many times you can change a title on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, and That's sometimes true. people go back and change the thumbnail too. If they put like the, the year in the thumbnail, you can, you can always change the title and always change the thumbnail of thumbnail of a YouTube video, no matter how old it is. The thumbtail guys. Thumbtail. Yeah. <laughs> when are you guys going to start making more YouTube videos? Hey, that's a good question, Josh. You want to hear something? Did not say great? last week that you guys should make like one video a day or something? You yes. Did. And guess what? I recorded a video today and I'm starting I'm starting Vlogmas. You, so when you guys are listening to this, it'll already be in December um, during my series. But I'm starting Vlogmas from December 1st to December 25th. I'm making my best effort to commit to putting out an, a video every single day from December 1st to Christmas or Christmas Eve, probably. I probably won't put one out on Christmas Day. I haven't decided yet. But I've sketched out ideas. I've got video concepts ready to go. Um, I've even got some... Uh, really cool ideas. I recorded the first video today and I've edited it 98%. It's almost ready to go. I just got to add a couple of things and I need to find some uh, background Christmas music for a time-lapse part of the video uh, that's non-copyrighted or something like that. So I got to do some research because I don't know how to do that. Uh, but I just want you to know, I took your advice and I'm running <laughs> with it. And my first video, so my first video will uh, be for December 1st. And then I'm going to try to snowball it and make my best effort to put out. And I rec also, I recorded with my GoPro. Okay. I didn't record nice. on my phone. <laughs> so look at this. If I don't know if you guys can see this. I've got my GoPro, my battery charger. All my batteries are charged up already. <laughs> They're ready to go. I'm stepping it up, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really doing my best to I love it. Uh, step out of my comfort zone a little bit here. Cause this is, this is not something that I am, am, I guess, not not comfortable with, but it's not something that I'm used to. It's always like, I'll just pull out my phone and record a video real quick. Yeah. But I'm, I'm actually making efforts. Like I've got the little tripod that my GoPro attaches to and I'm holding it, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm holding it above me and not, not below me like Zach, Utah bought and gone. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out Zach if you're watching this. It's just a joke. Uh, Love you but, so much. So... Yeah, man, I'm ex I'm excited. I'm going to uh, I'm really going to give it give it my best shot this this month and see what happens. I uh, <laughs> I looked up my analytics for YouTube because I saw that Dante put out a video, Prison of Profit, about how much money he made on his first year in YouTube monetized, and I was like, 
I should probably go look because it's either a lot more than I think or it's less than I think. And this is one of the reasons why I probably didn't put out as much content as I wanted to. And it was way less than I thought. How I mean, much was my, it? My average was like, it was like $1,300 or something like that. So I was for averaging total like, for the year. Yeah. So I was averaging like $100 a, a month, basically. Yeah. And what most was Dante's? That, I didn't see the video. Um, Honestly, I don't know. I I skipped through the video for certain certain parts. Like I watched <laughs> that's the I watched one thing like, you want to like. That's the one thing people skip through to see, like see the total. <laughs> well, so I was I, I watched like the first five minutes of it, and then I was skipping through the months to see like how much he was oh. making each month, uh, okay. and to see if there was like the effect. Because he said something like, "Well, stay tuned for the full video," but uh, it was it was a little bit of a longer video. And I mean, I'm just telling the truth here. I'm I'm not going to say I watched all 25 minutes of it. I was skipping through it to, to watch certain parts because as I'm watching his, I'm thinking about like, I want to look up mine, but I yeah. want to hear what he has to say. So like I skipped to the parts where he was like sharing certain months and, and things like that. But uh, anyway, if you want to see how much money he made, you can go watch this video. I won't uh, give away any of the, his oh, dollars. No spoilers. There you go. That's the I great way to do it. Joey, how much money have you made on YouTube this year? I don't know. I would, I'd have to look. How do, how do I do that? You have <laughs> the YouTube, YouTube studio, studio and then revenue at the top. And then you can just change it to the last 365 days. Okay. So, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. $1,300 is cool. That's more than, you know, um, I mean, that's a lot. That's, that's a mortgage payment for some people. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, it's like extra income, but I feel like this month, while you guys are both looking that up, this month is, you know, going to be the determining factor for me. Kind of like we talked about in the last podcast is, like, I feel like this is going to help me decide if I really enjoy, you know, putting out YouTube content because it's going to push me to be the best that I can be. And, you know, filming, uh, recording, editing uh, and putting out content every single day, plus still trying to run my business. Like, I know that during COVID, Josh, when he was doing the the 30 days, like in March or something like that, one of those months, it was a lot of work back then. You had the headband, the long hair, <laughs> trick shots every video. Like it was, it was, it was tough, so, so stressful because like I would do like a little bit of reselling and then like, all right, I got to get the trick shot. So, and I was trying to do it every day and I made the trick shots way too difficult, way too early. Like by day three, <laughs> I was like, this is going to take me like four hours to make it. <laughs> and I would like the last day I was doing it, I was in the yard for at least two hours, two and a half hours. And I just gave up. I was like, I, I've got to make this. I'm not passionate about this. Once I do make it, I have to like be excited and then end the video and then go edit it to post the video the next day. Right. It just was not, I no daily content is not for me, man. <laughs> Especially now so, with shots involved. So my last year of being on YouTube, it's 3,320 bucks gross. So That's now awesome. if, if I would have told you five years ago that you're going to make $3,000 in a year by posting videos on YouTube, what would you have said? Probably no, because that's that's just crazy how you can make a video, your own video, do whatever you want in that video and make money. Like, I just yeah. think that's incredible. I, I really do. I think it's nuts. It, it, I think people like, I, I, we it's need triple, to like celebrate. It's even how much like money it. I made, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. That's triple I mean, how much well, money you I gotta look at the Look at the total videos you posted too. Can you see how many videos you guys posted? Let me put it up. Does that does that revenue include all of your live streams and like how much money yeah. you got in super yeah. chats and things? Super chats, yeah. Probably like two thousand dollars of that is super chats from Joey's lives. Yes. 
<laughs> so thank you everybody so much. So if you really take really out the super it. chats, he's made the same amount as you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um so how do I sort by actually I don't know how to see your total. Let's see. All right, revenue. I don't think you can see your total views. Just look at your uh your total videos. Look at your total views. If you go to your it, overview, it was 133,000 for the last 365. In the last 365 days? Yeah. Uh, oh, views. Okay. Uh, number of views. So we're going to come back to this next year, November 30th. There we go. <laughs> and we'll see how better we've done. Yeah. Analytics. How do you see views? It should be the first one under your analytics. Oh, overview. Overview. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then top. No, not top videos. I want to see all time. Yeah, views last 365 days. Overview views. Why is it so hard for me? There we go. It's because I don't know how to use it. 208,000. That's pretty good. So so what was yours, Joey? 133,000. Okay. So yeah, I think I think the majority of Joey's income did come from Super Chats. Yeah. Because like based on most resellers are going to make about a penny per view. That's a $10 CPM or $10 RPM. And you guys are probably probably around there, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower on average, I think about a penny per view. So that would put you put Joey at about $1,300 for the year and put Drew at about 1800. You had 180,000 views, Drew? 200, 208,000. 208. So you should have made about $2,000 for the year, but maybe some of your views were demonetized or something. I don't know. I Josh did. Made, I did have. Josh I did have put out a video, video last week, and he got one hundred thirty thousand views. That's we, crazy. Literally, we haven't posted a video in the last like month that's had less than one hundred thousand views. Like it's been wild, dude. I'm proud of you, man. That's you, so cool. You're. Thanks. It's incredible, dude. Like in, in the last three hundred sixty-five days, we've had nineteen million nine hundred eighty-seven thousand views. Oh, wow! That's crazy. crazy. That is insanity. You know how many it's eyes? It's so funny, like that? seeing the chart. If you guys want to see this chart. Um, like that huge spike, like this is like all of our, you know, from basically November of last year to November of this year. And it's like pretty consistent, like all the way through here. And then like, this was when we, when Haley quit her job, like back here, you can see a pretty, uh-huh. pretty like steady increase. And then I don't really know what happened. Like that huge spike is when we were in Las Vegas and we skipped an upload. And then that one video just started getting pushed by YouTube and I got like a million views in a, in like two days. And then of course that came back down, but we're still like pretty consistent going into the the end of the year. I mean, just in the last 90 days, we've had 11 million, 11.3 million views. So like the bulk of our views wow. this year have come in the last like three to four months. Wow. That's crazy. Dude, yeah. I would go nuts. I don't even know how I would feel <laughs> like, like, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's very, I work a lot. <laughs> I work yeah. a lot. It's a lot of a lot of skill, a lot of research, a lot of a um, little bit of luck. I think um, consistency. I don't think there's anybody as consistent as I am. I haven't. I've only missed like three scheduled uploads in the last like seven months. Um, and yeah, it's just being consistent, being passionate about your work, and like wanting to make good videos. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're passionate and you enjoy it, I think your viewers will enjoy it as well. I think I think that one of the big things that in my opinion from watching you is that you keep getting better and better like with your editing and stuff. It's not like you've just gotten comfortable with one style of video and you keep doing that. You know, with with reselling it's like you got to keep people 
we talked about this before that you are like a, as a little bit more entertaining now too, like as you're doing your reselling versus just like putting out educational reselling content. And, but you're like, your editing has just consistently gotten better and better in every, every video. There's something new, like there's a, a freeze, a freeze frame. And then you talk about something and then there's like a, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, but then you have those consistent things too, like Mo's in every video, like people literally look forward to seeing that two second clip of you telling Mo's like, watch everything while I'm gone, you know, or yeah. you know, something so like much. that. And, but then you add a bunch of new stuff, uh, to the videos. And, um, yeah, I think that's just, that's just awesome. That's the way that you, you grow and you keep, you keep getting better and, uh, you know, you find what works, but then you, you keep mastering it. You know, you don't just get, con you don't just get comfortable and that's why your videos are performing so well. I think I, I like when I want to do something in life, I almost obsess over it. Like I remember one time I wanted to learn how to juggle and I was like, I don't care if it kills me, I'm going to learn how to freaking juggle. <laughs> and it lit like literally three days, like I had like a weekend off work. I spent three days nonstop watching YouTube videos, practicing juggling until I could freaking juggle. I could juggle anything. I started with like socks with rice in them. Then I moved up to balls. I was juggling like things of different sizes. I have juggling pins. I haven't mastered that because I got the pins after my passion for juggling like <laughs> faded. But I had learned how to juggle and like anything in life. Like I was like, I want to be a YouTuber and I would just obsess over it. I would make my videos. And once the videos were up, I would watch other YouTubers. Like um, I mean, it's still even now, like I feel like I'm a successful YouTuber. Like there's, millions of people that would love to be in my shoes. And I try to never take that for granted. Um, and because of that, I try to constantly improve. So even now, even though I feel like I'm, I could be, you know, a professional YouTuber, that's my job. I'm still trying to learn new editing techniques and keep my audience more engaged and figure out new ways to provide old information in a new way. That's, you know, even more entertaining and more digestible for newer resellers. So I think it's really important not to get, caught in a rut and not to get comfortable um speaking of comfortable your viewers are going to get disengaged and you're going to see a big drop off on the youtube chart yep leave a comment on this video if you want to see josh add a juggling portion to his next video <laughs> if this video if this video gets 100 likes and 10 comments josh will juggle i'm just kidding but i will juggle but the only <laughs> I time i've ever juggled in a youtube video is my very first video i ever posted you could do you could do a juggling act and be like this juggling session is sponsored by the Triple Threat Podcast, and you could be you could be juggling like um, find like a ball or something and write Triple Thrift on it, and then be like oh, this video is sponsored by Triple Thrift Podcast. And as you're juggling the balls, be like, yeah. head over to Triple Thrift Podcast for daily reselling. I really content. need to start pushing the pushing the podcast on the channel. Like people, like very few people. Like in comparison of YouTube, like YouTube get hundred thousand views video on average. Podcast we get. 1500 so i really need to start pushing the podcast more all right well do a juggling session on your next video and say if you want to know why i'm juggling in this portion of the video sponsored by harry tomatoes uh little balls <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know where this came from it's my little brothers harry tomatoes balls right here this is what he juggles with that would be uh my next merch merch idea <laughs> Oh, speaking of merch, uh, we sold the slob posters. We got the new batch of slob posters. Uh, we've had them for a long time. We've had them for like three months. We've just been waiting to post them. And I posted 50 today, and they've all sold out already. 
Nice. So now we have to yeah. ship 50 posters tomorrow. That's so going to be what about the embroidered um, like jackets and clothes and stuff? Are you still going to follow yeah, through I'm with doing that? that? I, I think I that's bought, awesome. I bought the embroidery machine. We talked about that in the last episode or two yeah. episodes ago. I, I yeah. bought it. I haven't gotten it yet. It's They're shipping at FedEx Smart Post. So we'll see. We'll see if it shows up intact. Uh, <laughs> but I'm excited about that. Um, we bought it. I'm sure I'll have to get some supplies. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm excited. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a great video series, you learning how to print your own merch. I mean... Ray is the entrepreneur. That's one of the videos that blew up on his channel when he was trying to make videos about how to make money is he started his own t-shirt printing company and he bought like one of those DTG machines, uh, like direct to garment. And he just was making videos about every step of like going online and buying it and then it unboxing it and then setting it up and then printing his first shirts. And then he like posted on his Instagram about it. And he got like 10 different businesses that ordered like 10 or 20 shirts from him. Yeah. And he made like $2,500 you know, from uh, selling these shirts and he like printed them and showed the process. So, I mean, Hey, it could be a whole nother series on your channel about like, you know, the newest side hustle of 2022. That that one's old. I I think one of my recent YouTube endeavors uh, in terms of content that I'm consuming has been like seeing people start from scratch, like millionaires start from scratch or thousand dollars start from scratch what if just to see like creative ideas that people come up with to make money fast and like you know it all starts out like i'm gonna get this penny at pin and then sell it for this thing trade up and that's like you know everybody can start with that selling crackers and juices and stuff from dollar tree and then it gets to the point where like okay you can't just do this forever like you can't just you can't you're not gonna be able to make a million dollars selling crackers that you get at dollar tree for a dollar and selling them for three and so usually what i've found is most successful is people take some sort of skill set whether it be video editing or um like photography work graphic design or something and they try to hire like get people to hire them to do that and i've seen it done on like individual basis like one client needs one logo done they do that get paid 100 bucks whatever and that rolls it but then i saw this one guy he found this tiktoker that had like I don't know, a million followers on TikTok or whatever. And he was like, hey, I will edit all of your TikToks for you. Like, I will be your editor. I'll do everything for you. We'll do graphic work. We'll do, you know, text on the screen. I'll do music, do everything for you. And the guy hired him and paid him $15,000 a month to edit all of his TikTok content. And I'm like, realistically, it's probably taken him 40 hours a month, like 10 hours a week to do that. He's making 15 grand a month from this. Like, that's how to do it. Like, people always ask me, you know, what would you do without YouTube? What would you do without reselling? Is this going to be around forever? Blah, blah, blah. And I think if, if you enrich your life by learning valuable skills, like it could be in the tech industry, graphic design, video editing, stuff like that. I love video editing. And I, I'm confident that if I did not have YouTube or reselling, I could make a full-time income for me and my wife just with video editing for other people. Um, But even if you don't want to get into technology, you could do trade work, become an electrician, become a plumber, do a handyman. So you don't even have to be a license. You just know how to do stuff. Like Gene, my handyman friend, he's like booked for like a month now because he's just nice and he knows how to do simple stuff and nobody else will freaking show up, you know, like simple stuff. Like, Hey, can you come power wash or can you come paint my deck? You don't have to have a license for this stuff. You have to have insurance, business insurance, but you don't have to have a license. And like, I mean, he's up to his eyeballs in business right now because he's an honest person that has a set of skills that are marketable. So I think that's the key in creating serious, serious wealth. Joey, if you, if you didn't have, if you didn't have reselling, what skill do you have that you would try to use to start a new business? Um, 
I I really like just this just selling stuff. Like I don't know. I just really I feel like I could go to the flea market and just sell stuff. Or um, if I had no YouTube or no eBay, I would I would just make it work. I I would get out there and grind and knock on people's doors and say, hey, like kind of like that that like your buddy. Like I would just try to make money. I don't want to work for somebody else because working a nine to five job. I couldn't do the things that I could do now. I, I went out to dinner with my grandparents and my parents today, like at, at 4.59 or 5 o'clock. Like you can never do that with a normal job. I would have to come home, take a shower, like get ready and meet them there. And they're already halfway eating. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I, I want to yep. be my own boss and be able to do whatever I want. And then after this podcast, I could stay up and list on eBay or, or if I didn't have it or whatever, I would, I would think of ways to, to make money. Or, you know, and because it's nighttime, yeah. but, you know, that you can do anything in this world. You literally just have to put your mind to it. That's it. That's it. I've, I've said multiple times in the past, and I think it's going to be our next logo, like a similar style of support your friends. But happiness has value. And like when you hear somebody like quitting their corporate job to start their own business, it's like nobody's happy for them. Like if somebody posts on Facebook, it's like, hey, I got the new job. Everybody is great. It's like, hey, I'm quitting my job to start my own business. And they're like, ugh. Yeah, why would you, you sure? do that? You're losing you sure benefits. About that, man? Like, yeah, what about you're losing, you're losing your friends from work that hate and they, they hate their job and they're miserable there. Like, I want to I want my coworkers to be my family or see we'll start them my own day. business and, and buy a huge house and then I'll invite all my old coworkers over. Yeah, and then we for can dinner. friends later. <laughs> yeah, it's just fun like, fact at my insurance job, like Six months ago, the entire department, the entire company that I work for inside of the big company got shut down. And everybody that didn't get laid off back when I got laid off, got laid off. It's like all these people, like, um, you know, the, the, all the ladies that I sat next to, they've been working in that company for 20 or 30 years. You know, the manager, they've been there for 15 years and just people spending so much of their lives working for this company. And like constantly, like my manager would work on the weekends. He would come in early. He would stay late. Gone. Just sorry. You're out of here. It's kind of like if you work uh, for yourself. If you work for yourself, it'll be hard. You may have clients come and go. You may run into hurdles, but nobody's going to walk into to your office one day and fire you like that. That's never going to happen when you're self-employed. Yeah, ever. Yeah. You could have you could have no sales, you know, and no one's going to come into your door and be like, "Sorry, you had no sales. I'm shutting down your eBay store." Yeah. Like it just doesn't work like that, you know. Yeah. But what but if you're had a sales what if your job? house burns down and you lose all your inventory? I'll go buy and do it. Start from scratch. You literally yeah. just start from scratch. Like it it'd actually be kind of nice. <laughs> I think it would be I'd sick. I'd be more upset about losing all my boxes than losing the inventory. <laughs> you know what would be crazy? I This is a YouTube video. I lit my house on fire to like start from zero. Like literally just start <laughs> from zero. <laughs> like that would be crazy. That would be pretty crazy. Okay. I had, an idea idea. I had an idea too, but one that's not going to send me to jail. Uh, <laughs> I lit my house on fire so that I could start my eBay business over again. That's okay. Um, I would so watch I had this idea where I wanted, I wanted to try to post my eBay business for sale to sell my business. Like you get the eBay store, you get the shed, you get all the contents, you get everything. And I had this idea for a series, but I never did it because I don't know if I was, if I was scared or if I, was afraid of it failing and then it just being a waste of my time. Like, I don't, I would love to sell it and start over like just for the heck of it, because I know that there's profit in my business because I prove it every day. So I know that it's marketable for what I have versus, you know, money wise, but I never figured out a way to like make the series 
presentable in a way where it was going to be entertaining throughout the process. Like, okay, here I'm taking pictures of my business and here I'm listing it online. And, you know, then I'm like showing people like a, like a realtor, people are coming to my house to see my shed and see the contents to see if it's something they want to buy. Cause I sold my scooter and motorcycle shop, you know, before I started reselling, I sold that by myself. So, um, you know, I posted it on Craigslist and I sold it. And, uh, that was, that was, you know, um, in, in, in the thousands and thousands of dollars. So, um, I feel like I could do it. I just, I don't think it's ever been done before. So I haven't really put much thought into it other than it would, would be a cool video, it, video like, idea. Like, like where's, where's the value though, outside of just like liquidation value? Like, like normally when somebody buys a business, like a turnkey business, they're going to want something that has an established client base or something that has, um, you know, a, a source of income. When you have an eBay business, if you weren't there, if you took Drew out of the situation and just had your items, nobody would ship out. Like you wouldn't be sending offers. Like you, the, the bulk of the value of the eBay business comes with the owner that's doing the work. Now, if you had employees that were listing everything and shipping everything and the gears are kind of turning without you there, then you could probably sell that. But just well, an so eBay business like yours seems to be worth basically liquidation value of the of your assets. So my, my marketing thought process behind it, which is stuff that I haven't fully put together is the first one is I would be selling it at let's just say 20%, you know, value. So if I sold it, if I listed it for $25,000, you know, someone should be able to sell everything for a hundred thousand or 125,000. If they sold every single item, the second thing is that I have the history to prove that my eBay store, both eBay stores really do have sales history on a daily basis in the hundreds of dollars every single day. And, um, you know, but it's the same thing with my scooter shop. When I sold the scooter shop, that that business was 90% me. I made Craigslist ads. I was working on the scooters. I had I had crappy mechanics, you know, that I could never rely on. So I, you know, was one, the one that was working on on scooters in the service department and then trying to sell them and then dealing with customer service and then paying my taxes, doing my books. Like I did the whole shebang, ordering inventory, you know. So basically what I did when I sold that business was I what was included in the deal when the next buyer purchased it was, is that I stayed with them for a full month and trained them how to run that business for free. It was included in the price, but essentially I worked there for free for a month and showed them how to run it. And essentially that would be my thought process with selling the eBay businesses. You can buy something for, let's just call it 20 K worth of stuff. And I'm saying that there's a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory to sell or whatever the number is. And I'm going to show you how you can consistently make money from this business uh, by following what I've done. Now, it's that buyer's responsibility to execute on it, just like the guy who bought my scooter shop. I don't know what his numbers are. They could be higher than mine. They could be lower than mine. Uh, they could be in debt, but still running the business. I don't know. But the, the thought process is to show somebody how to run this business on a daily basis and then it's their responsibility to execute it after they purchase it from me. It's just like yeah. anything else. You buy a house, it's your responsibility to mow the lawn, you know, to water your plants, to pay your power bill, to keep your house clean, you know, if you if you want the value to last. And yeah. so that's where the marketing is in, in my I eyes. I wonder if you could get into like 
flip people flip Instagram pages. So like I've seen people like uh, Bia has a he'll buy yep, an Instagram page him. with like an Instagram page will have like a hundred thousand followers. He'll buy it for like four hundred bucks and then grow it to like three million followers and then sell it for like ten grand. I'm like that's, that's crazy. pretty interesting. So I wonder if you could do the same with like eBay stores, like start an eBay store, sell some stuff, get up to like fifty positive feedback, you hundred percent positive feedback have that established account and then sell it like to yeah. sell the right sell the login information to somebody else they could change the you know the return shipping to whatever there is and then when they start selling on ebay they would have an established account they wouldn't have to deal with scammers and they would be seen as more reputable than a newer seller hmm. yeah I, I think that i think there's definitely opportunity there in some aspect um but that's why i think that you know having a hundred percent positive feedback and I have almost 1400 actual feedback on my main store like that shows over the last two and a half years, three years, two and a half years that I've been reselling that I have a good history on eBay and that the products I sell the customers like, and I don't have a lot of, you know, issues. And then because I have the, the spreadsheet from Hustle and Hooks, I can show them all of my numbers exactly on a month to month basis and show them here's my profit and losses for every month. And yeah. you can see how much money I'm making, uh, you know, and if you keep your books done properly like that, you really should be able to hand some, the way that you sell a business is you hand somebody a P and L statement and you say, here's 2021 P and L my cost of goods for 2021 was $10,000. I did $120,000 in gross sales and my net profit was $65,000. So after cost of goods, I made $55,000, you know, ap after taxes or whatever. To, to be able to sell a business that you're guaranteeing somebody can make over $50,000 a year if they work as hard as you do, that's pretty easily marketable. Yeah. But some it takes a very disciplined person to be able to buy a business like that and continue to grow it. But those are the type of people that you're marketing it to. Good topic. I really like talking about this. Yeah. Joey, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, you still have 90 seconds of negativity. But I don't want to end on something negative. So we're going to roll that into the next episode. And you will have 180 seconds of negativity next episode. All right. I'll do something absolutely negative so I can tell everybody what I'm doing. I, just, I want tears. <laughs> I want maybe a curse word. I'm just kidding. No curse words. Whoa. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to drink a can of soda. I'm going to squirt was... lemon in my eyes. <laughs> All right. Give us, give, us, give us 20 seconds of positivity. 20 seconds of positivity. Um, tomorrow is an, is another day, wake up and smell the roses and, um, just be prepared for life. Just wake up tomorrow and list something on eBay and ship something out. I don't know. Just have a good day. Have a great, beautiful day. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.